what we believe, like our, our theology, when I say theology, I mean what we believe about God, about his word, about sin, and about salvation, about um, uh, the Trinity, uh, what, what we believe about the attributes of God, the kind of person he is, what we believe about um, future judgment or future blessing, our, our theology shows up in the way that we live. It shows up in the way that we live. We show what we actually believe by the way that we live. So, for instance, if you wanted to know um, what I believe about salvation, or what I believe about Jesus, or what I believe about sin, or what I believe about the attributes of God, you could, you could ask me, or you could watch the way that I live. You could spend extended time with me. For instance, if you said to me, Steve, do you believe that God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory? Do you believe that? Do you, do you trust in God's wisdom, in his generosity, in his sovereignty, in his providence? Do you believe that God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory? I would say, yes, absolutely I do. Scripture is clear. He didn't spare his own son. He will give me all that I need. But then you could ask me, so, so then, so then why, why, do you, why do you panic so often? Why do you get so anxious? Why do you struggle with selfishness? And then I would say to you, mind your own business. Shut up. Get out of my face. Or you could say, Steve, do you believe do you believe that sin is addictive? That sin is destructive? That sin dishonors the God who saved you? The God who created you? And saved you for his glory? I would say, of course I do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sin is destructive. It's addictive. It's, it dishonors God. Absolutely. And then you could say, well, why, why do you have such a casual relationship with it then? Why do you harbor the thoughts you harbor? Why do you give in to the temptations you give in to? Why don't you go to war against sin in a, in a much more fierce way than you do? And again, I would say to you, you're a jerk, we can't be friends. Because the truth about what we actually believe, about God, about sin, about salvation, the truth about our theology shows up in the way that we live. Jesus is a master theology professor. He's a master theology professor. So what Jesus is going to do in today's passage is he's not only going to teach us what to believe, the, the, the three truths, the, the, the three theological truths we learn from Jesus today, this is not the only time in the, in the Word of God that we learn these things from him. He, he teaches these truths in other places as well. But what we're also going to see that Jesus does here is he not only um, tells us what he believes, tells us what he knows to be true, tells us his theology, but he also shows us how it should show up in our lives. He also shows us if we believe this, this is what it will look like. So we got three truths this morning and how they should show up in our lives. Truth number one, 
is that, is that the truth about salvation shows up in urgent conversations. This is the first, this is the first thing Jesus is going to teach us. He's going to show us by his example. The truth about salvation shows up in urgent conversations. As Mark read through verses 22 through 30, we see that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Okay, this is kind of a theme in the book of Luke, right? We've seen where Jesus has set his face towards Jerusalem. Jesus is bound and determined to, to go to Jerusalem to die for us. He knows what's going to happen when he gets there. And he is, he has set his face to Jerusalem. He's gonna go and he's gonna suffer and die for our sins so that we can be forgiven of all our rebellion. So he's headed toward that moment in his life. And along the way, he's, he's traveling to different towns and villages as he, as he gets closer and closer to that moment. He's, he's traveling to different towns and villages and he's preaching and teaching. And, and there's something about what he says. There's something about the way he preaches and teaches that is, that is rubbing the crowds the wrong way. Because someone comes up to him in verse 23 and said, Lord, will those who are saved be few? Because the, the Jews in the crowd, they thought that they were kind of like automatically in. They thought that heaven was their birthright. They thought that they were automatically good with God. Alright? And so, but the, the way Jesus talks, sounds like he thinks the opposite. Sounds like he thinks the opposite. And so it's troubling them. So someone says, Lord, will those who are saved be few? You, Jesus, you don't seem to talk as if, as if the, the people of Israel are automatically in. You, you don't seem to talk that way. So this guy, so when he says, Lord, will those who are saved be few? He wants to have a typical theological conversation with Jesus. Alright? And by that I mean, he just wants to talk about people in general out there. He just wants to talk about statistics. He just wants to talk about this, about that. He, he, he just kind of wants to talk in, in broad, general, theological terms. Okay? He wants a, he wants a hypothetical conversation. But Jesus is not going to do that. Because look at what he does. The end of verse 23, and he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door, for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. They will seek to enter and not be able. And then he says, um, when once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer, you, I do not know where you come from. Then, then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence, and you talk in our streets. But he will say to you, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. So what is Jesus doing? What is Jesus doing? He's taking it from like this imaginary, hypothetical conversation, and he's taking, no, no, that's, we're not going to talk about people out there, and how many believe and how many don't. We're not doing that. We're going to talk about you. Do you believe the gospel? Do you believe the gospel? We're not going to talk about statistics. We're not going to talk about uh, how many do you think, how many angels can dance on the head of a pen. We're not doing the hypothetical, academic, fun little excursions, theological diversions. We're not doing that. We're not going to be academic. We're going to be personal. We're going to be urgent. We know from, from everything Jesus says in the New Testament that he understands and, and he teaches that salvation is only through him. That's Jesus' 
theology. That's his understanding of salvation. He knows, he knows this to be true about salvation, that, that he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Salvation is through Christ alone. So those who don't go through that door, those who don't turn from their sin and, and trust in Christ, those who try to find salvation any other way will absolutely be punished. They will be cast into a place of eternal torment, of weeping and gnashing of teeth. And it won't matter who their family was. It won't matter their ethnicity. It won't matter. Their, their Jewishness is not going to help them. It, it won't matter. Many they, they, they said, but you, you were with us. You, you, you ate at our tables and you taught in our streets and, and we know you. We rubbed shoulders. And Jesus says, that familiarity is not going to help you. Sharing space with me is not going to help you. Being on a first name basis with me is not going to help you. That was true for them, and it's true for us as well. It doesn't matter that you come to church every week. It doesn't matter that your parents are Christians. It doesn't matter that you could, you could probably ace the quiz about Jesus. It doesn't matter that you're pretty familiar with him. Is Jesus your only hope in life and death? Is Jesus your only hope to be forgiven of your sins? If he's not, then nothing else matters. So Jesus knew this to be true, and we see it, we see his theology in the way that it shows up in his life. It shows up in his urgent conversations. We're not going to talk about, because we, we love, and this is not just with salvation, this is just with anything. We love to have hypothetical, academic, theological conversations. That's fun, because it's easy, because it's out there about other people, about other things. Jesus, way too urgent for that. We're not going to have an academic, hypothetical, imaginary conversation. We're going to talk about you. Do you believe the gospel? This is what Jesus does. He, he, he turns the conversation on its head. Because he believes in salvation through him alone. And so, so we have to ask ourselves this morning, if we believe that, do we, do we truly believe that Jesus is the one and only narrow door? Jesus is the exclusive way to heaven. His perfect life, his death in our place, his resurrection, the only way we can be saved from the hell we deserve for our sin. And if we believe that, shouldn't we be more urgent than we are? Shouldn't we talk about Jesus more with our, with our children, with our grandchildren, with our co-workers and neighbors, with people who go to school with us or college with us? If we truly believe that Jesus is the exclusive way to God, to heaven, to forgiveness, it should show up in the way we live. It should show up in urgent conversation. Number two, number two, the truth about God's sovereignty shows up in calm confidence. The truth about God's sovereignty shows up in calm confidence. I love this little exchange here. This is fascinating to me. Verse 31, At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, 
get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. Now, we don't know. So there were some Pharisees that actually liked Jesus. They weren't antagonistic against him. They were more curious about him. Um, and, and so there were some Pharisees, by the end of the Gospels, they, they believed that he is the Messiah. And so there's, I mean, so, so not all Pharisees were like the jerk enemies, all right? Some of them were, they, they, they were at least curious about Jesus. They were at least interested in what he had to say. And so these could have been nice Pharisees. These could have been ones that were actually warning him. They were actually saying, you need to get out of here, Herod's coming and he's going to kill you. Or it could be the, the jerk Pharisees who are just trying to run him out of town, trying to intimidate him, trying to get him to go away. We don't know which ones these were. To Jesus, it doesn't matter. Verse 32, look at what Jesus says. He says to them, go and tell that fox... Go and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. This is fascinating. So, so these Pharisees say, Herod's going to get you. He's coming, and he's going to get you. He wants to kill you. And Jesus is thinking, yeah, no, he's not. Because um, God, the Father, has numbered my days. The third day is coming when I will finish my course. And actually, uh, there's going to be more suffering. I'm going to, I'm going to die in Jerusalem. There's going to be, there's going to be more suffering at the hand of my Father, when, when the Father punish me, punishes me for, for, for the sins of the people, when, when that happens, that's going to be far worse than what Herod could do to me anyhow. Herod is kind of a non-factor. Kind of a non-factor. Jesus says, I'm not going to panic about that. I'm not going to panic about that. God the Father has decided when and where why I'm going to die. And he's also, he's also promised me that on the third day, I will rise. The grave will not be able to hold me. And there's nothing that Herod can do about that. Herod can say whatever he wants to say. God the Father is sovereign. He is the king He is the ruler. He is in charge. God is going to carry out His eternal plan. So Herod can do whatever he wants. Jesus is going to die when God says it's time. And Jesus is going to be raised from the dead when God says it's time. So Jesus has said this many times with His words. Jesus has said in the book of Luke already, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to be betrayed, I'm going to be condemned, I'm going to be killed, third day I'm going to rise. It's just going to happen. Jesus already said, this is the, this is the plan of God. It's what's going to happen. But he not only said it with his words, we also see that his theology, his understanding, the sovereignty of God, shows up in his calm confidence. Like, I, I'm not going to freak out about Herod. I can't. I've got other things I'm doing. I've got cures to do. I've got demons to toss out. I've got stuff, to, I've got stuff to do. Herod can, whatever. Let him do his thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be faithful to the end. Jesus says, I'm, 
I'm immortal, I'm unkillable until I've finished my work. This is a good example to us. Now, of course, um, Jesus had more insight than we have. We don't know where, we don't know what city we're going to die in. We don't. We don't. We don't know. We don't know when. But, but here's what we can absolutely take from this, and I, and I pray that you do. I pray that I do. We don't know, but God does know. And it is firmly in His hands. He has appointed our time to go. An 18th century preacher said, we are immortal till our work is done. We are unkillable until God says it's time for us to go. So we can be faithful here on earth and we don't need to panic. We don't need to panic. I'm going to... Um, we're already running late because the, because the missionary brought in talked too much. So you're going to get out of late. You're going to get out of church late today and it's, it's his fault. So when you're fellowshipping and learning more of him later... Mention that to him. And I'm going to do something that never works. I'm going to leave my notes for a minute. I have a 100% disapproval rating um, when I leave my notes. I end up alienating somebody. Whole, whole portions of... I can't... But I haven't alienated anybody since last Sunday, so I'm just going to give it a whirl. This is going to be a train wreck. Here's my concern. It's not just a concern for you. I hope you understand that and believe it. It's a concern for me. It's a concern for all of us. You have plenty to be concerned about. You have plenty to be worried about. You, you, you probably don't know this, but COVID has actually been sort of a divisive issue in our country. Maybe you haven't picked up on that. Not everybody sees COVID the same way. You didn't, I'm just sharing that with you. Maybe you didn't know. And if you didn't know, I want your life. So, so I know people who have concerns about COVID itself, all kinds of concerns. And I know folks who have concerns all about the COVID vaccine, all kinds of stuff that goes with that. Huge conversation. Both of those, huge conversations. If you wanted to come into my office tomorrow and we could just do research on the internet, we could come up with all kinds of reasons to panic, to be worried. To be worried. And it doesn't really matter how you see this particular thing. I mean, we can talk. I can get you panicky either way. doesn't matter. I'm great at unsettling people. If you want to be more unsettled, let's hang out. I'm good at it. Ask my wife. I want to say this, though. You only have so much emotional energy. You, you're, you're, you're a finite being. You are a limited being. You only have so many places that you can pour your passion and your, and your emotion and your time before you get exhausted and have to go to bed. I don't care how you see this issue. I don't care how you see it. What I really want for you is to respond the way Jesus responded. 
Yeah, I, I absolutely am going to die. It's going to happen. It's going to happen when God says it's going to happen. It's going to happen when God says it's ha- going to happen. So until then, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be calm. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. We, we, we just, we, we don't have, we don't have the, the, the emotional bandwidth to, to freak out and to obsess over a bunch of stuff. You have all kinds of reason, real, legitimate reason to be concerned. Like if you're concerned about COVID itself, if you're concerned about government overreach, if you're just concerned. I mean, I can, I can help you get more concerned. I can do that. I know stuff. I can tell you stuff. We can share stories. You can go away crying. Be awesome. It's a, it's a, it's a free pastoral ministry I offer. Or, or we could say, no, 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 no. There's, there's real risk. So we're gonna, we're gonna be as wise as we can. We're gonna be as careful as we can. We're not gonna make stupid decisions. So there's, and so there's gonna be a bunch of things we have to navigate. What does it mean to be faithful, to honor God, to take care of our family? We have to navigate that. Yep, absolutely. But we're not gonna panic. We're not gonna waste we're not going to waste our time obsessing over this or that or the other thing. We're not going to spend hours researching. We're not going to do that. We're not going to pour our time into that. Because we have people to love. We have people to care for. We have little kids, little grandkids, co-workers, neighbors to disciple. We, and you only have so much emotional energy. And if you pour all of it into panicking about this issue from whatever side you want to panic about, I mean, again, there's all kinds of reasons to panic. Let's choose not to do that. Let's choose not to do that. Let's just be as wise as we can be and put our passion, put our heart, put our, put our, 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 our ability to obsess, limited, time and, and energy to obsess, let's put that into the, the work of the gospel. Into caring for the people in our lives. Jesus said, I'm not going to panic. And Jesus knew a little bit about... <laughs> okay. I'm, this is not in the notes either, so... I mean, you, if you haven't left yet, okay, it's fine. I'm just going to say, it. G- Jesus knew a little bit about government overreach. I mean, they said, Herod's coming to kill you. That's government overreach. I mean, he's, that's, that's as much government overreach as we really want to deal with, right? They said, he's literally coming to kill you. And Jesus said, yeah, not, no, he's not. I'm going to die, but I'm going to die when God says it's time for me to die. Tell that fox, <laughs> I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Can I just encourage you to say that to Facebook? Tell, tell Facebook... Tell the news channels. Tell whoever. No, I'm just going to continue to serve God. I want my kids to know the passion I have for God, not the passion I have for my own whatever. I'm trying to read the room. I'm trying to feel how alienated everybody feels right now. I think I did well. All right. The truth about salvation shows up in urgent conversation, 
The truth about God's sovereignty shows up in calm confidence. We're going to press on. We're not going to obsess. We're not going to panic. We're going to press on in faithfulness because that's what our people need us to do. We're not going to get defensive, greedy, bitter, worried. All right, finally, the truth about human rebellion shows up in heartbroken compassion. So Jesus has shown us that the truth about salvation shows up in urgent conversation. He's shown us the truth about God's sovereignty shows up in calm confidence. And then finally, the truth about human rebellion shows up in heartbroken compassion. The truth about human rebellion shows up in heartbroken compassion. Verse 34, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Jesus is heartbroken. He's heartbroken. So, I mean, if you read through the book of John, even, even there's even been snippets of it here in the book of Luke, we, we know that Jesus is confident in God's sovereignty. He knows that God is ultimately over everything. And so Jesus believes and teaches and knows the truth that salvation is completely the gift of God. God is the one who saves according to his own grace and mercy. Salvation is of the Lord. So if we are to be saved, it is because God opens our eyes and our hearts to believe the good news of Jesus Christ. All of salvation, even the faith to receive it, is a gift from God that he set into motion in eternity past. Jesus, if you read through the book of John, can't get away from it. Jesus just teaches that. But, Jesus also knew that humans are 100% responsible for their rebellion and rejection. Jesus says to these, to these people, He says, How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. I would have gathered you, you were not willing. So if you die and go to hell, it's your own fault. Christ would have saved you, but you were not willing. Never blame God for your unbelief or for anyone else's unbelief. Never blame God for anyone's rebellion. Christ is saying, I would have, I would have gathered you in. You were not willing. Now, can we completely comprehend this? Can we, can we get those two truths just completely, perfectly straight in our minds so we completely understand them? I can, you, you cannot. So, and I can't even help you. No. I'm just kidding. I can't. I can't. We, God is above us. God is above us. He operates in ways that we cannot fully understand, and we are grateful for that, because that's one of the reasons why He is God and we are not. We don't want Him to be on our level. We want Him to be incomprehensible. But it's true. Both of these things are true. God must and shall receive all the glory and all the credit for everyone who is saved, and, and humans must and shall bear all the responsibility if they refuse to believe the gospel. And if we believe this, 
If we believe in human responsibility, if we believe that, that people are, are willfully choosing to ignore the gospel, to reject the gospel, and if we believe what scripture says about the price they're going to pay for that, it should break our hearts. We should be heartbroken. We should be compassionate. We should do what Jesus did. We should plead with unbelievers. Please believe the gospel. Please believe it before it's too late. You are running out of time. I don't want any of you to stand before Jesus and hear him say, I would have saved you, but you were not willing. I don't want anyone to hear that. Let's join Jesus in his compassion. When Jesus saw the rebellion the unbelief, and when he when he thought about the price that they were going to pay, the weeping and the gnashing of teeth, as he thought about the price that they were going to pay for that rebellion, he was heartbroken. And so we have to together consider this question for ourselves. When we consider, when we come into contact, when 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 we when we think about an unbeliever. And we see how their sin is, is doing all kinds of damage right now in this life. And then when we think about the, the, the price that they're going to pay for their sin, if they don't believe the gospel, are, are we filled with compassion? Or are we more likely filled with disgust or arrogance or self-righteousness? Let's remember the price that they are going to pay because they refuse to turn to Jesus. Let's, let's join Jesus in His broken-hearted compassion. Church, let's be urgent with the truth that salvation is through Christ alone. Let's make that the theme of our songs. Let's make that the theme of our sermons and our lessons. And then let's make that the theme of our conversations with our children, with our grandchildren. Let's look for ways to bring that, to bring the name of Jesus, the, the gospel of Jesus, help us to, uh, that, we would, that we would bring that into, into conversations. We all know people. I bet, I bet you know one, two, three, four people pretty well. Like people that you have fairly regular conversations with, and you don't know if they're saved. You don't know if they understand the gospel. You, you just don't know. Let's be urgent with the truth that salvation is through Christ alone. Let's be calm and confident, just pressing forward, spending our emotional energy on, on, on the work of the gospel, on the disciples of our children, our grandchildren, the, the, the care for our families, the care for our friends. Being a, being a presence at church where we can make disciples. Let's, let's be calm and confident because God is sovereign and let's be brokenhearted over sin and the price that unbelievers are going to pay for it. More and more, let's, by God's grace, have our theology show up in our everyday lives. Let's pray together. God, for everything, everything that's in this everything that's in this passage that Jesus modeled so well for us, for all of this stuff, we need, we need you for all of it. We cannot launch out on our own and do this in our own strength. There's just no way. There's no way. 
We, we need you, God, to, to believe this passage and then to apply it. Help us. I, I pray, God, that you, that you would remind the people who are, who are listening this morning that I, I personally, I don't have... I, I'm nowhere near where I want to be. I'm nowhere near where I want to be. My head is full of theology. But my heart and my actions far too often reveal what I actually believe. I pray that God, that you by your Spirit would continue to do a good work in me. And I pray that I pray that for all of us, God. Help us. And if there's anybody here who's, if they just, I don't, I don't know if Jesus Christ is my only hope in life and death. I don't, I don't know if I'm, if 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 I believe His gospel. I don't, I don't know. I pray God that they would, they would. Ask someone, they would get into a conversation, and, and by your grace, you would, you would do uh, a work of regeneration, of rebirth, by your Spirit in their hearts. Please do it. We are thankful for your patience with us. In Christ's name, amen.